Over the past three episodes, we've been looking at different styles of attachment that are born out of challenging childhood experiences. Today, we're considering the fourth style, secure attachment, which is really the goal that those of us with these other styles are striving for. I remember hearing that about 46% of the population has secure attachment as their primary attachment style. So we want to really explore this one today. Now this is born out of good enough parenting, I would say. And we want to understand what it looks like so that we know what we're aiming for if we're wanting to experience more of this healthy style of attachment. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we have the research, the truth, and the answers you are looking for. We have a benchmark sort of episode for you this week. It's episode number 254 today, and we're going to be talking about secure attachment in marriage. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed disorganized attachment. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember to check out our marriage cruise for Christian couples on the web, christianmarriagecruise.com. Departing February 15, we'll be spending seven days exploring the Western Caribbean and helping take your marriage to the next level. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice and most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into the topic of secure attachment in marriage and what that looks like. Yes. So first of all, a quick note of encouragement, because half of us did not come into our marriages with secure attachment, but it doesn't mean that we're permanently emotionally disabled or permanently hindered from enjoying marriage. Attachment styles can change in adults. Sometimes you'll hear the term that we mentioned at the last of the previous episode, earned secure attachment, which describes the situation where a person has shifted their attachment style. So that means that they've learned to become securely attached to their spouse. And that's really what we're talking about today is this secure attachment. So as you listen, consider the possibilities of how you might shift the way you relate to your spouse or even begin to shift the way you think about yourself so you can experience more and more earned secure attachment to your significant other. Okay. Well, I think we started with the other attachment once, Caleb, with like, what does this type of attachment actually look like in marriage? So what does secure attachment look like? Yes. So one of the, we'll come at this a couple of different ways. We'll talk about it in conflict and also in the ways that they depend on one another. But one of the intuitive abilities of securely attached people is that they can take comfort in their spouse. They can share with their spouse both joy and discomfort. Okay. And they're able to ask for help when they need it. So they know they can turn to others. Okay. Is one thing. And then they feel secure when turning to their spouse. Okay. During conflict, they're more able to discuss difficulties in a calm way without needing to raise their voice or getting exasperated. They also do not let conflict formulate doubts about the future of their relationship. Mm. So they feel secure while they're arguing. I mean, you can imagine that that all by itself makes such a difference, right? Because we're just kind of figuring out this problem between us. We're not, I don't have Mm. the... The incredible stakes of, you know, is my future with you 
on a edge of a precipice as I'm talking as, about this. Okay, yeah, yeah. While I'm trying to solve this other problem, right? Okay. They're able to do that because they trust the security of the bond that they have with their spouse. So when they do get into conflict, they're more likely to see that as just a phase or as a passing temporary experience rather than allowing it to escalate into a question about their future together. Okay. Which is going to create so much more emotion, right? Tied to the conflict. If they have if, a question about their future together. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. So again, right away, I hope what folks are hearing is that these are these are people who've developed a secure bond. They trust the integrity of that bond, even when the people held by the bond are not really getting along. Okay. Another researcher looking at secure attachment during conflict also noted that these folks have the ability to formulate or to initiate affection toward their spouse to maintain problem-solving communication while they're in conflict. So I'm fighting okay. with you, and while I'm fighting with you, I can show you affection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? So... I mean, you can imagine how these, these in some ways, they seem like small things, but they would be such big things in difficult times, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm fighting with you, I don't really feel like initiating affection. Okay. Like, you, didn't you just say that? You have the ability to yeah. initiate Formulate affection? Formulate or initiate affection toward their spouse. While in conflict. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think you've done it the odd time, at least. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just trying to remember. There was that one time in the car, I forget what the issue was but you kind of really paused and you thought it through and you offered something back that was generous rather than just sort of taking oh, it. Oh, was that what you mean? Like yep. being generous in your point of view? I thought you meant That's like one expression being lovey-dovey or like Well, for some, it depends on the person, right? Affectionate. So someone might reach out a hand and just say, look, we'll figure this out. That's affection. Oh, okay. So to, this doesn't have to be like... It's not like... Full on. I'm going to give you a kiss and a muffin or, right now. Yeah. No, it's okay. whatever it might be or just... You know what, baby, I'm not going anywhere, but we have to figure this out. That's okay. affection, right? Okay. So it could look like different things. Okay. But this other part is interesting too, because it really kind of gets to the core of trusting and feeling secure in yourself and trusting and feeling secure in your spouse. And that is that it, securely attached people are secure in their interdependence. So they, they feel connected and secure in a wider variety of areas than people without secure attachment. They allow themselves and their spouse to move more freely, to have time alone without que questioning or without concern. Okay. It doesn't mean they're necessarily together less, but the security allows a greater freedom to come and go without worrying about or fretting over the security of their bond. So they're more free to move. But in the freedom, it doesn't necessarily mean that they drift apart. It just... It also means right. that it's enjoyable for them to be together. Right. But they, they're not, they don't have that fear and they're not questioning the relationship when they're not together. Right. They're right. secure in it. Okay. Right. And they're generally more in touch with their own feelings. So they're able to be more empathic and understanding of their spouse's emotions as well. They're usually very capable of offering support and comfort when their spouse is distressed. So their interdependence is quite robust. It helps when they're together and it helps when they are apart. Mm-hmm. And securely attached folks also tend to be more honest and open and fair in their marriage. They feel comfortable sharing intimate thoughts, including with regards to sexuality and sharing emotions. Their empathy tends to be more out front and leading in their interactions. Okay. They enjoy doing activities with their spouse. They also enjoy their own space for doing some things separately. And whether those with anxious or sorry, I should say, whereas those with anxious or avoided attachment are less likely to view others as trustworthy, people with secure attachment feel they can depend on others and they're more likely to perceive others mm. as being trustworthy. Hmm. Okay. So they generally have a better sense of self-esteem 
um, more positive thoughts of others. A lot of attachment is really about this issue of how I view myself and how I view others. Avoidance tend to be high on self and low on others. Anxious people tend to be low on self and high on others. Okay. Secure or more balanced. They're better able to trust others to sort things out when others let them down. You can trust others to sort things out? No, no, no. They themselves can sort things out with other people when other people let them down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, interesting to know just to how they parent as well. So secure individuals as parents, they're involved, attentive, they're sensitive, they're responsive to their child's needs. They're more naturally able to do things like prepare for pregnancy and birth and parenting. Hmm. They feed their infants with love and respect. So even just the, the, the care and attention to tidy eating. Oh, you mean actually feed them yeah. like with food, feed yeah. them. Oh. Yeah. yeah. They respond with sensitivity. They use empathy. They're more curious and non-judgmental about their children's outbursts. Hmm. They use nurturing touch more like they maybe cuddle or hmm. hold or mm-hmm. comfort their baby physically. They ensure a safe sleep, both physically and emotionally. They provide consistent and loving care. They practice positive discipline. They balance their personal work and family life better. Hmm. Now this... That, that sounds like perfect parents. It does, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'm worried that that kind of over-idealizes it a little uh-huh. bit. But, but you, they're naturally able to do things like that. Yes. It doesn't mean that they... They're perfect at it. ...do all these no. wonderful... Okay. And and to raise kids with secure attachment, again, we go back to the idea of... I can't remember, it was this episode of the Pearson Good Enough Parenting, which is mm-hmm. you're getting this right most of the time. You're having your moments. When you have your moments, you repair them with your child. Right. Mommy shouldn't have said that, or daddy, daddy shouldn't have got angry at you. I'm sorry. Okay. Right? Um, so yeah, there isn't the pressure to make it perfect, but these are just kind of the, it's, they're more likely to default to these kinds of things. Hmm. Okay. Another study observed that after toddlerhood and beyond, uh, secure parents adopt an authoritative parenting style, which parents the child, the child through age appropriate limits and, and support because, because they're more trusting and secure individuals, they'll allow and more easily adapt to their child's growing skills and needs. Mm, so they okay. allow the right amount of freedom by balancing that with the child's need to be protected and kept safe. Okay. And so what we're pointing out here is that they're really kind of attuned as parents. They pay attention. They're more able to understand what their child is experiencing and better equipped to provide the appropriate response to what they're experiencing. Okay. Just that sort of paying attention piece is really the attunement. So again, it doesn't mean that you're perfect and you're going to get it right every time. No. But it's just being attuned to your kid. Yeah. I mean, part of attunement is is later on you get to see when you missed it and then you figure out how to fix that. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So once again, we do have a bonus guide for our much appreciated supporters. This one is for securely attached spouses who want to help their anxious or avoidantly attached spouse to develop greater self-compassion. So it's a lovely way to connect in the midst of uncertainty or difficulties. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a quick 60 second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible, and to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, 
You gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we're talking about secure attachment in the context of parenting. Mm-hmm. Let's flip that now. Okay. So how is <laughs> <laughs> so how is this formed? Like, okay, it sounds like you're going to be a great parent if you have a secure attachment. Right. How do you... Res- so how do you become that person? Uh, well, let's talk about how you become that or how this is shaped in childhood, if we okay. could start there. When your primary caregiver, the main parent raising you, if you will, that's kind of the normal or yep. common, I should say, circumstance. When that person is responsive, warm, loving, and emotionally available to you as a baby and a toddler, you're likely to develop secure attachment. Okay. It helps the baby grow to be confident in its mother's ability to handle their positive and their negative feelings. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, the child doesn't need to learn to develop defenses against their own unpleasant emotions. Doesn't need to learn to shut them down, for example, like an avoidamite. The child feels more free to express what they are experiencing, both positively and negatively. And one of the the kind of uh, grandmothers of attachment theory, Mary Ainsworth, she suggested that when a mother was a secure attachment figure, she became a safe haven for the child to explore from. So the child would feel safe and confident to explore the world or their environment knowing that he or she could always return to the mother for safety. Right. right? That secure base. Secure base. And babies mm-hmm. who are securely attached, they tend to cry less, they cooperate more, they enjoy their mother's company more, and they also grow up to be happier and healthier as adults. Hmm. So in the last episode, I talked about the situation where a parent leaves the room and then comes back. It's yeah. one of the early sort yeah. of attachment tests that they did, right? Or studies. And for a securely attached child, when the parent leaves the room, the child uh, is okay. Or if they get a little bit upset, they manage to calm themselves down. Mm-hmm. And then when the parent comes back, the child will run to the parent and reconnect with the parent and then maybe want to show the parent what they've been doing or will continue to play or something like that. So they will mm-hmm. check back in and then venture back out into the world, right. so to speak. Because they're secure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that, that sense of security stays with them while the parent is gone. Oh, it's internalized. Yeah. Because they have the positive belief about their parent that the parent will be there when they need them. And they have a positive view about themselves that they'll be okay without their parent while they're gone. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about how securely attached, uh, because like at the previous ones, at the end, we've been kind of doing, okay, if this is your style, how do you become more securely attached? Yeah. Well, we're securely attached in this episode. So how can securely attached spouses best support their anxious or avoidant spouses? Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. So if you're secure in your style, but your spouse is not, I want to introduce the idea here of partner buffering. So as a securely attached spouse, you can, with effort and thoughtfulness, help your anxious or avoidant spouse become more emotionally regulated in order to more effectively modulate their anxiety about themselves or about you. So how? With an anxious spouse, you'll need to give far more reassurance than you might feel is necessary. Like it would be more than you would need as a secure person. Oh, I struggle with that. In the sense that you're providing more reassurance than you know or think you would need. Mm-hmm. So for example, if your anxiously attached spouse wants you to call if you're going to be late, just be diligent about making that call every time. And the more that you're able to provide that consistent reassurance, the more you extend a safe haven to your spouse and the more likely their attachment system is going to be able to stay in a secure state or move to a secure state. 
Um, can I ask a question here about like not marriage? Yes. So like kids that seem so insecure in their ability for something and go on and on and on about it. Like, do you just need to give them reassurance over and over and over and over? Like I get to a certain point where it's like, okay, you need to stop the negative self-talk here and just do it. Like, where's that balance? I mean, you could be doing it in marriage too, but that's your kind of style with them, like not attachment style, but that's how you deal with things. Uh Uh-huh. But in in a sense, like, I think if you're doing that in a caring way, you're still accomplishing the same thing because you're, you're asking them to confront their, their self doubt or their lack of, Mm -hmm. by, by stopping the messaging that's affirming that and then doing the task that's at hand, which when they complete it successfully, I mean, this is often in the context of you teaching kids singing, right? Mm -hmm. That you see this when they do that successfully, they realize that they have a skill and they have an ability. So, and, and yeah, I mean, you have seen that in, in some of the kids you've worked with shift their self-confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Actually prove Mm -hmm. it. So yours is a more directive approach than we would use in counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But I think it's still accomplishing. uh, It's still going down a pretty similar road to what I just suggested root. Okay. So, and then with an avoidance spouse, it's about providing the security even when the avoidant has retreated. So this is this is kind of interesting, mm. right? So learning not to encroach when they need time and space to themselves, but also extending the security to them by connecting or doing acts that demonstrate caring while they're alone. So it's not like uh, needling the person or pestering them, but it's mm-hmm. still extending the secure base out to where you are, almost more than bringing making them come in to the secure base. So extending it to where they are. Yes, that's what I... You said you are. Yes. Okay. But that's what I mean. Okay. Yep. Huh. So think of it as as a shift from pursuing towards nurturing. So instead of provoking the avoidance, you're providing connection even when they're defaulting to avoiding. Mm. It helps them to learn that they can be connected and that receiving nurturing when they feel like isolating is actually a more attractive option, is a better experience, and it helps them to open up more when they're feeling overwhelmed. Hmm. And so this is this idea of partner buffering. It's learning to uh-huh. respond to your spouse in a way that fits their attachment style, that it lowers their sense of distress around the connection between you. It offers them a preferential experience, like a better experience, right? Mm-hmm. And in other words, so then it, it's basically you're rewarding brain circuitry that's triggered in the context of earned secure attachment. So making them feel secure, even in Helping. their anxiety or avoidance. Yep. Yeah. can is buffering them and yes. can cause them to shift because they now know what it feels like. Yeah. That security. It's like you're sharing your security with them. Huh. That's really cool. Yes. Huh. And of course, as we often say, like it's not on you to fix your spouse, mm-hmm. but this is one way that you can leverage your own secure attachment to provide a safe haven, to provide a different experience for your spouse so they can heal from their attachment difficulties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, more on that in, in the bonus content for today's episode. So we'd like to thank those of you who became a patron between this recording and the previous one. We have Mac. Thank you, Mac. Did you say Mac? Yep. That's Mac. the right name. I like that name, Mac. Yep. And Very thanks to all of you that have supported us for so many months as we do our podcast and continue to publish this show. Mm-hmm. We are reaching several thousand marriages a week and we couldn't do that without you. So we appreciate that very much. And yes. we have and another, we have another one. This is like three weeks in a row. That's like Christmas before Christmas. I know. So this one's from the United States. Five stars. L-G-K-L-M-F-T. L-M-F-T. Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Oh, this is from Lauren. As a licensed... Oh, you're good. As a licensed marriage and oh, family yeah. therapist. I think this podcast is clear, concise, research, and proven modality-based and fun to listen to. I 
will use it in my own marriage and both refer to it and recommend it to my couples. So that's cool. Thanks for including yeah. us in your work. Yeah. Always Next nice week. to have a review from a fellow professional. Yes. Next week, we're talking about sharing emotional labor in marriage, or next episode, I should say. Because we're on holidays. Yes, that is about making sure that there is a fair distribution of the burdens that you carry as a couple. Mm, Like we've talked about shared labor, like housework and stuff and childcare, but this is emotion. Huh, I'm going to have to listen to that one. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 254. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week next episode. Ooh, yes. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.